Tim, I always tell myself that being sick is more fun than it always is. Hmm. Explain. So I'm like a total nerd. And, you know, when you're working a lot, when you're doing a lot of things, you can't just sit around and play video games. But yeah. when you're sick, that's the chance. Or you can catch up on movies you haven't seen, anything like that. Yeah. So I got sick this week. Uh-huh. And I was like, sweet, I needed a vacation. Except, you know, being sick isn't that fun. It sucks. So I don't know what I was telling myself because uh, I was trying to like play video games and I'm like, I'm tired. I just want to sleep. Like it was, it was not a vacation. I was really hoping it was going to be a vacation. But, uh, and, and I guess this is sort of a PSA because I, I know I sound a little stuffed up. You're just going to have to deal with it this episode. But, it, and, and it also is an additional PSA uh, for why I'm probably low energy. Um, don't to get sick. Well, I so I thought I had recovered a hundred percent, but did like I decided to go for a run today and found out very quickly that I was not fully recovered. And then secondly, um, I had to wash my cars and I'm trying to get rid of a car right now, so I was trying to prepare that, make it look really nice. And I am like absolutely drained. When you got here today, I was just on the couch. I was just sitting there playing playing your, some games, your video games. I was zoned out. You're like. Tim walked in. He was like, so uh, where are we going for dinner? What are we doing? Huh? And I was like, huh? Huh? I'm playing Star Wars. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, I was playing that, that Jedi Fallen Order game. But nevertheless, Tim, you're not sick? I am not sick yet. Are you sick of me? I am always, but I still love you. Did you, you listen to the last episode where I was just completely trashing you? I did. I'm surprised you're back. Well. Who let you in here? Who let you into this studio? I walked in, and it sounds like you're... This studio, this studio that's a bedroom. Yeah. He's so, that's how he dedicated us to the show, guys. He has a bedroom in his own studio. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not dedicated enough. Well, you know, if Tim's not sick of me, maybe you are, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Everything Comes From Something, episode 82. With Isaac and Tim. That's right. Nothing better than self-deprecation. Uh, Tim is back because Cameron is apparently off for three weeks, and I thought it was two weeks. Um, and so I'm just considering banishing him from the show. Uh, if you want to come out to a uh, public witch hanging, I'll let you know the date, and we can just get ri- rid of him once and for all. Uh, Sounds good to me. Yeah, well, don't think you're the replacement, Tim. Oh, well, I'm not? I'm I part of the hanging, too. <laughs> <laughs> no more homeless on your podcast. <laughs> two hangings, two public hangings. Uh, I'll let you know the dates on that. And uh, we are not going to get into witch hangings today. Instead, we are talking about movie franchises. I was going to say specifically trilogies because that's where our idea came up. We're going to talk about movie trilogies. And then we realized even when you're thinking about a classic trilogy, like Indiana Jones, right? Mm-hmm. You have Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, Temple of Doom, and The Last Crusade, right? Hey, you're forgetting about the, the newest exactly. one. Exactly. So all these trilogies are just getting rebooted. And then it's like, is it a trilogy or are they starting a new thing? So like... Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. I went to the theaters to see that. That was the only Indiana Jones film I got to see. And I was just like, this doesn't feel right at all. It doesn't feel like like a classic Indiana Jones like by any bit. And so most people kind of separate that from the trilogy, right? Yeah. So this topic turned into franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we've talked a lot about some of these franchises we're going to mention today. We're going to try to hone in specifically on what makes a franchise successful we're actually going to read off the most successful grossing franchises according to Wikipedia. But in our opinion, just because they made a lot of money doesn't mean they're necessarily good. I mean, for instance, Transformers made a lot of money. Those aren't the best movies. I watched them. I still have a soft spot for this first one. I don't know why. I think it was because I was a kid when it came out and I still liked Transformers. But nevertheless, that's what Tim and I are going to be talking about today. Uh, before we get into the topic, though, we want to let you know that you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ecfspodcast. Throw a couple dollars our way and uh, get exclusive benefits for the show. Uh, we'll send you a thank you note. You can get a question read on air. And trust me, your question will be read on air because I just checked the inbox and no one has sent us questions, which is uh, honestly, I don't know if it's adding to the show or, or subtracting from the show. This is keeping this thing going. No more questions. All right. Just for and, me. And uh, and when you also get access to an exclusive Patreon episode each month called nothing to do with anything uh last month's episode was a trial run of a new show idea cameron and i are working with Uh, if you want to check it out you should still have access to the rss feed and you can get access to that episode plus all our old unedited nothing to do with anything as well i guess there's really nothing else to talk about uh, unless if you don't have money which is fine i get it i don't have a ton of money you can 
Give us a rating on iTunes or tell friends and family. That is how the podcast grows. Tim? Yes, Isaac? What is a franchise that you adore in cinema? I think I love the Harry Potter series growing up. I haven't gone back to them in a while just because I've seen them sometimes. So I, I have, I'm eternally stuck on the first film because I never remember what happens. And every time I watch it, I'm like, ah, oh, that was okay. You know, yeah. And then I never watch the next one. So I always start from the beginning every time. And I like, I remember the ideas of it. Like, Harry lives under a staircase. There's a train, mm-hmm. there's a school, yeah. there's these people, kids. And then I start fading off into my own imagination. I just, I don't know. Like, I, I kind of just lose it at that point. Yeah. I think the first two films were kind of, they're, they're too kiddy at times, but they, I guess it's easier to love them as you grow up. Yeah. Because, yeah, I guess I hate this word, but nostalgia for them. And like a a soft spot for them. Oh, I think that's a huge part of a lot of franchises that you look at today, right? And we've we've talked extensively about nostalgia on this podcast. I mean, everything comes from something, right? We're just digging up old dirt. So, yeah, I mean, I think for me, I really, really adore Lord of the Rings. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just stunned about how, like, those movies are craftsmen yeah. film, you know? And Epic, epics. They, they uh, you know, Tim, my family was watching through them, and you were actually here last time they were watching through some of the other Lord of the Rings, and you were here for recording episode 79. No, I thought it was 80. It doesn't matter. Or whatever. Whatever one was. Yeah, it was, 80. it was 80. It was 80. And so I've been watching through them, and I was like, dude, I don't care if the dialogue is a little cheesy, you know? It is cheesy. Is it? Right? Uh, it totally is. Um, these movies are just massive in scale, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they engross the novels very well. I've read the first and half of the second book. I haven't finished them all. Um, because as a kid, my family was like, you have to read the books to watch the movies. And... I just wanted to watch the movies, and that that was and that was just enough that I could do to get still somehow watch the third one. I don't know what happened, um, but my parents buckled for that. Yeah, I just they are there's just so much like creativity. You can tell that they looked at the text, they got an idea of what they should make, and then like artists came and were like, "We want to build a world that is accurate to what the words are saying, but also like." It's just so artistic, yeah. right? And I think the movies hold up really well. There's a good reliance on practical effects. Um, there is some CGI, but like for instance, I, we also watch the Hobbit trilogy, uh, which is technically oh. part of the franchise, and those movies don't look good. No, and they're newer. Yeah, which is just I don't know, like which makes the Lord of the Rings trilogy that much more special. Yeah, yeah. To me, I'm just like, man, this. This those first three ones are something, and yeah, of course there's a ton of other um, franchises or series that we're gonna get into today. But I just thought we'd kind of preference our own our own opinions. Is actually you know speaking of loving something, what do you hate? Is there a franchise that you're just like I can't stand this franchise? Hmm. I would probably say a horror film. Some type of genre, one of the horror no, classics. Are you talking about like um, a horror franchise? Actually, my friend JD, right before we started recording the show, called me and said, "You got to talk about the Jason movies." <laughs> Apparently, there's 16 of them or something. Mm-hmm. something uh, like and there's a recent Halloween reboot. Yeah, that was supposed to be pretty good. I haven't gone back to it, but the first one's amazing. But yeah. everybody knows there's like Jason in space. That's like the big meme. It's where he, Jason Voorhees, is in space. I don't know what it's about, but people watched it and laughed. So. Let me guess. Is he in space? A killer in space? Uh, I've never seen that idea explored before at all. So could be really good. I, I mean, don't take my word for it. But take JD's word for it. I'm sure that's what he was trying to get at. He's endorsing it. I he think he, wa- it. he wants you guys to go watch it. I'm pretty sure that's what he's saying. And then send him your reviews on... He lives in the Hawaii, but I don't have his address, so it's hard. Somewhere on one of those islands... Out there, I'll tell you which franchise that I'm not fond of. Alvin and the Chipmunks. <laughs> no, I don't like Alvin and the Chipmunks. To me, that like, that doesn't even belong on the scale. 
because I'm not a kid, you know. I don't know. Like, there's, there's, I, I don't want to talk about owning the chipmunks. I told you this before you started. Oh, you recording. have to. Now. Tim brought it up before we started recording. He's like, "Don't you want to talk about owning the chipmunks?" I'm like, "No, what? No, not the squeakles." You know what? I've watched a scene where they were at a golf chorus and they were being. <laughs> hit around like balls <laughs> i was like i think this is borderline animal abuse uh or something i i i don't want to think about those movies and i don't even that's the only thing i remember so okay to be no sure. the franchise i was going to mention and the movie that i don't understand and nobody can explain to me why i should like it too is jurassic park uh it's a franchise that i think is a neat idea i guess if you're a dinosaur person um, but for me, when I watched it, the novelty had sort of worn off, I guess, cause it was such a technological advance, right? Yeah. People were like, wow, they look so amazing. And I watched it being like, this looks fine. You know, like mm-hmm. this looks fine. I think this, so- this movie's okay. Right. Yeah. And it was not what I expected from Jurassic Park, which is such a recognizable name. People love that. And I went to go see Jurassic World, which I know a lot of people had mixed feelings about. For me, I was like, this movie's okay. It felt like it... I thought it was redeemable for the last Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was well put together, but it felt very cookie cutter, very much like uh, a Marvel film mm-hmm. or something like that. So yeah, I mean that that's a franchise that comes to mind where I'm like, I just I don't know. Like I, ju- I would be bored watching it. Yeah, I don't have love for it too much either. Yeah, I mean there are bad franchises that are fun to watch, mm-hmm. right? Like for me, I recently sat through a majority of the Twilight series, uh, and it was because my girlfriend Jules was like, "Hey, you love the Spider-Man trilogy, okay? You grew up watching the Spider-Man trilogy when you were in middle school." She was like, "Isaac, listen, the Twilight series." is the Spider-Man series for me. So you got to watch it. And so we sat down to watch it. It was hilarious. Like, it was, like to me, like that's a franchise that was super funny to watch and just tear apart. It's too good. Like, to be honest, like, it's totally, especially the first one. The first one is totally The acting is horrible. Oh, it's great. It's great, just yeah. great. It's just great. You know, uh, I don't know what the director, like, I, that's what I was thinking about. If I was the director... Was he just like, I guess that scene was fine. Like, I nobody was directing the actors to do anything right. It's just, it, it, is, it is like potently awkward when you're watching the movie. And It's like a Hallmark film. I loved it. I love it. Well, the Hallmark films, like... Just the acting, that style. Kind of, <sighs> yeah, kind of. It, like, there was a recognizable high school charm to it. But it was just off put by very awkward acting from the main cast, not the side cast. Yeah, Surprisingly, no. the side cast was better acting like high schoolers than the main cast, which was uh, like just abhorrently weird. All of them were weird, uh, including the normal girl, Bella, right? Mm-hmm. Who's like, I'm sad, I guess, right? Mm. She, yeah, it was, ugh, yikes. But still, cool. a joy, still a joy to watch. Yeah. Um, and. You know, if you're a uh, bachelor out there, I'd say that's a good movie to watch with a date. Yeah. Um, just because, I don't know, like a lot of girls my age were into that. I, th- I actually think people a little bit younger than us, Tim, were into it more. Like, like 2009. He, yeah. Yeah. Seventh graders, sixth graders. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't know. Like there's there is a nostalgia for that series, but... Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to get into teen drama franchises for sure. Uh, yeah, so I just want to rattle off a couple. Tim, did you have any other franchises come to mind? No. 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 That's fine. Yeah, I, I want to, but I don't I don't want to make you wait. That's all good. So I think to start the episode, I'm going to sit down. Uh, actually, here's an Easter egg for you. We're standing up this entire episode. This is the first podcast I've recorded while we're standing. Might be one of the few that people stood and recorded. No, it's a common thing. What show does that? Podcast? Yeah. What podcast does that? I'm guessing it's common. I don't know. You're guessing it's common? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever watched a video podcast? Yes. Maybe that's maybe that's going to oh. be our catch. We're standing up. Standing guys. That's the show. Standing guys. I feel like you need a stool or something for emergencies, you know? Yeah. Like for 
pulsing bowel movements, right? Yeah, stool would be perfect to bowel. Good connection right there. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Tim, you just let me know if you need to sit down. I feel like that was like a masculinity battle. Now Tim, Tim's just hovering over me, looking down like, you peasant. I, out, I, 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 I outlasted you. I only Good. sick. Yes, I'm ill. Give me a break. So, Tim and I are going to talk about elements that make franchise films strong mm-hmm. or, or compelling or even make them last long. But before we get that to that, I want to look up um, like franchise um, gross makes, making or whatever. Mm-hmm. Pretty much how much it makes in its run or until now, I guess. Yeah. So... Do you want to do 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Like, give them a little anticipation of what's number one. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll do like a, we'll do a countdown here for Sweet. sure. Because we can't give them the answer right away. Exactly. This is totally radio, so it works the same way. All right, let's look up some total grosses here. We're going to count down. So this list on Wikipedia is very odd, for instance, because this is how they break it down. Um, they say, like, Middle Earth is sitting at a gross of $1.8 billion, which is huge for a franchise, right? Yeah. But Middle Earth also, that includes The Hobbit and also Lord of the Rings. That seems weird. Yeah, so it's very, it's odd, right? Because you have, like, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then Spider-Man's down below. And X-Men's down below, which makes sense. But then at number four, the Wizard- Wizarding World is there, which includes the Harry Potter franchise and also Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. So I'm just letting you know that's kind of where we're at. Um, yeah. So franchises, let's let's just get into it, right? Number mm-hmm. 10 is the Middle Earth franchise. Uh, and I already said the number $1.8 billion. Jeez. I think well-earned. Um, if you want to know what uh, percentage is Lord of the Rings... A billion zero, uh, well, yeah, is Lord of the Rings. So, for the franchise. Quick question. Yeah. I was just looking at this. Do we want to talk about Pokemon? They have their films that's over a trilogy as well. They're a franchise. We can I, bring that up somewhere. I, I don't have, like, a ton of experience with Pokemon. Okay. Um, let's check in. And let's I haven't watched a lot of... I actually watched the Pokemon film, so, I mean... Wait, was it Ryan Gosling? Or not Ryan Gosling, Ryan Reynolds? Yeah, Reynolds. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It was okay. Nice. I thought it was kind of bad middle of the road to be honest yeah i watched it on an airplane shocking yeah well video game yeah i got pikachu like shocking that's what he does okay that witch hanging i'll get the date to you guys as soon as possible sorry don't leave me hanging i'm okay all right uh number nine is the dc extended universe at two billion um with aquaman being its best film aquaman's its highest grossing film what yeah, I, I'm. It's probably because the ladies like to see that guy shirtless. Yeah, he's strong. Who right? doesn't? But a lot of the the DC guys are shredded, mm-hmm. right? Like Ben Affleck, Shazam, <laughs> that cartoon. Shazam. Oh my gosh, that was fine film. That was okay. Yeah. Excuse me. <coughs> the illness it's taking me. James Bond is at number eight, uh, which is just weird because they have so many movies. Uh, the franchise is at $2.1 billion gross. There are 25 films in the franchise. Uh, That's so weird. I, f- I feel like all the f- last couple of films made billion plus. Yeah, Skyfall um, is its highest grossing film. Oh, okay. And I, I'm not sure how much it made domestically. But Skyfall was good. It was really good. Skyfall was a James Bond film for me that like made me say, okay, I kind of get it. See, I'd watched mm-hmm. a couple of James Bond movies, and they're just old. Cheesy, old school. Yeah. I, I didn't connect with it very much, but Daniel Craig as Bond is compelling, and I thought that Skyfall was like a very grounded, cool narrative for James Bond. Yeah. I- Especially because, well, I mean, okay, the movie's old, guys. I'm going to spoil something for you. It's eight years old. Dang, it's um, already no my Yeah, I yeah, I know. Um, Skyfall, the beginning of it, you watch James Bond get sniped off a train, which is just a cool way to start a movie, mm-hmm. you know? Like, which he's is, dead. Like, he dies, but not really. He basically retires. That's how he retires. 
right? Because of a gun injury off a train, which is nuts. But mm-hmm. still, like Skyfall, I think is a highlight uh, for that franchise, and I can't say that coming from experience, but it just feels like that. Yeah, I was just surprised by it. it really, really well put together. And then uh, at number seven, the Batman franchise. Hey, uh, you, for- you forgot one. Well, no, I I didn't because that's included at number four. There's no oh, number. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Tim's talking about the Harry Potter, but the Wizarding World is actually at number four. Okay. We'll get to that. Sweet. Uh, Batman is at number seven with uh, $2.4 billion uh, total gross. Um, the Dark Knight raises. That's it's the highest grossing. And I, don't, I, and I don't blame that one for being the highest grossing because the Dark Knight uh, kind of just took blew people. up. Yeah. And even the people who didn't see it at first got around to seeing it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was a lot of anticipation for The Dark Knight Rises. I also remember the ads for The Dark Knight Rises being like like really, really good. Um, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Right? As Bane. Yeah. Also a 2012 film. Yeah, tried to do his voice. Yeah, that was... he. I thought he was a great Bane. Um, there are 11 movies in the Batman franchise. Uh, a lot of bad ones. Batman and Robin is a great highlight. Um, uh, but the, the Dark Knight trilogy on its own is just a solid... Um, trilogy of films, regardless of genre. Definitely. Yeah, like it's, they transcend like the superhero title. Um, and I think that's because Christopher Nolan's at the forefront. Uh, Cameron's a huge fan of, of the Dark Knight. He'll tell you. He'll talk your ear off about why those movies are incredible. Um but the, he can't because he's not here. Yeah, that's right. Well, and also he'll be at the witch hanging. So, yeah. uh, you know. And so, like, The Dark Knight is one of those films that I sit down and start watching. And I've said this before on air. I think I've seen everything I need to see in that movie. And I don't really feel like watching it. But as soon as it starts, it captures you really intensely. I mean... What, which in Dark Knight? Yeah, The Dark Knight. Oh, that. Like, like, it's... it's it, it it really stands the test of time. Just uh, a bang scene, so good. Yeah, the opening scene is is awesome. Um, but yeah, we could go on and on about Batman. I'm sure we're gonna touch back on the Nolan trilogy here in a little bit. X Men is at 2.4 billion, um, a little bit higher than Batman. Uh, its highest grossing film is Deadpool, which is surprising. Yeah. Um, and there are 12 movies in that franchise, which is nuts. Fox really just trying to drain it before selling. Uh, before selling out to Disney. Well, I guess they have to have a movie every five years in order to keep the rights, or it goes back to Marvel. So, every right. couple of years. Well, now they're all under the same umbrella, right? Yes. Pretty much. So, yeah, I I, I enjoyed X-Men 1 and 2 as a kid. Uh, had some figures. X2 especially I thought was great. I don't know if I've seen The Last Stand, but I think I've watched like an in-depth video review that revealed enough about it for me. Don't do it. Really? It's terrible. And I think Deadpool is, is fun if you're into like explicit humor, um, but notably Days of Future Past is an excellent X-Men film, and there's something like nostalgic about it too, because yeah. they go back in time and there's... Almost like reinvent history. Yeah. That's what they did with first class as well. It's tasteful though. Yeah. It's tasteful and and there's like a I, I think the reason I give like a nostalgic vibe is because there's that nineties X-Men feel at the beginning with the uh, oh my gosh, Sentinels, I think is what they're called. Yes. There's like these creatures that hunt the mutants. Mm-hmm. And I just remember reading comic books or seeing my cousin's comic books as a kid with these purple sentinel figures. Um uh, and I was like, wow, like this is so cool. As a kid, I'd be into like the mutants and Wolverine and stuff. And and so like to see that in film form, very, it, the reason it feels nostalgic is because it feels like Terminator-esque. They'd use that kind of blue uh, palette with tons of like skulls and bodies everywhere. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, the mutants are being hunted, right? And then like they go back in time and it's like, it's just a good, it's a, it's a fun film. And so I think that's a total highlight for the franchise. Um X-Men has been around a long time. Interested to see, now that Marvel's got its hands back on its own IP, uh, what they're going to do with it. I think it should, they might um, feature in the new Doctor Strange film, I think. Maybe. I heard something about that. To be honest... And then Sam Raimi is allegedly supposed to be filming Doctor Strange too. Really? Yeah. It's very odd. Well, that's good. He's into horror film, and apparently that's going to be the most horror film that Marvel's gotten so far. Huh. So, it's a good... I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch, terrifying, if you ask me. Yeah. Eyes of a serial killer. 
with a name like that. <laughs> There's visual terror on Tim's face right now. You wouldn't see it. At number five, the Spider-Man franchise is sitting at $2.4 billion. Such a love uh, in my heart for that f- franchise. There's eight films in the franchise. Uh, there are three different Spider-Mans. The Tobey Maguire films, Yay. Uh, which are Sam Raimi. There's, there's uh, directed by Sam Raimi. With emo Spider-Man. Uh-huh. Yes, emo Spider-Man. Um, and then you got the horrible, horrible Andrew Garfield one. Oh, boy. Those are... We don't talk about those. Yeah. And then there's the Homecoming films, and I don't know if they include uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which I, I would, which I would say is a highlight. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely. I think they do, if I'm doing the math right. Three in the Sam Raimi, two in Amazing Spider-Man, one in Homecoming, and then the eighth one would be the uh, Into the Spider-Verse. Um, Into the Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie, I think. Uh, but the Sam Raimi trilogy is corny, amazing, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good stuff out of, out of Spider-Man. At number four is The Wizarding World. Um, which is referring to Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts, $2.7 billion, 10 movies in the franchise. The highest grossing film was Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, the finale, which is understandable. Tim, did you go to the finale? I did. That was was like one of the first times me and my dad went to the whole midnight showings. Like, we did the first part, Deathly Hallows Part 1, and then we did like a... Not a marathon, but a couple of films, and we watched back to back. Really, it was fun. Like, yeah, the energy of the crowd was. It. So, did the theater play a bunch of them back to back? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if our theater because we went to Oak Ridge, right? But they had theaters playing all eight of them, and yeah. they played a new one. Yeah. So, wow, that's cool. Yeah, I think the main, like, I want to get through all eight films eventually, and I think I, I need to give it a chance. But I'm curious to see how it wraps up. Do you think the Deathly Hollows Part Two? deserves to be the best grossing film on the list because i haven't seen the franchise so or do you think there's a better one in the franchise the best one and the most polarizing one is probably prisoner of azkaban uh-huh that's that was the transition that made from the kid into a little bit more adult yeah or a little bit more darker feel to it and then Al- alfonso Cuaron directed that okay but he's a, he did birdman okay and so and he has some other films and it's so stylistic and the the vibe from it, it's like completely different than the rest. And I think they, we're going to, I mean, we've been talking about witches all episode, like probably going to have to send you and Cameron to the prisoner of Azkaban. No. That's a terrible place. It's like the worst, it's like the place up in San Francisco. Type of uh, San Francisco? Is that what no, you're saying? No, it's the Alcatraz, but Azkaban kind of. Oh, okay. I got you. Yeah. Cool, cool. And number three, this is the one that shocked me the most for Pee-wee's franchises. Herman. No. Disney's live action reimaginings sitting at $3.2 billion with 14 films in the franchise. I guess that's a franchise. Uh, uh, the highest grossing film would be the Beauty and the Beast live action rendition. Um, I guess this is a franchise. It's just Disney's catalog of IP being converted to live action. I have said this countlessly, but apparently I'm wrong now that I know the numbers. Who wants to see these movies? I thought no one. No uh, one. I thought no one, but I guess I'm the only one who hasn't seen them. No, I haven't seen them either. I don't get it. Like, I don't get how the, uh, these movies must do well uh, internationally or something like that. Yeah. I Because I, I don't hear anybody talking about them over here. I do remember the Beauty and the Beast live action version and, having some power. And that was a highlight of the series, I think, or the reimaginings. I do believe that the Mulan one will get some traction. But they have no Mushu. Or whatever that guy's. There's no Mushu? There's no talking crickets or no talking. I just want to see Eddie Murphy thrown in there um, trying to be a cricket, but he's actually a full-time human. Not cricket. The other thing. Oh, the dragon. I want Eddie Murphy to try to be a miniature dragon. And the but dragon he, costume with the face painting. He doesn't even get a costume. No he face just painting? Gets like, he gets face painting and ears. Ooh. And he just tries to act like a dragon. And I think that would really add a lot to the film. Uh, I'd go pay to see that. I would. All right. Obviously, number two, the top two franchises. Um, take Trek. a second. Not Star Trek. Uh, that's not it? I thought they were the same thing. <laughs> no. Uh, before we list them off, you probably know which two are at the top. Uh, they haunt the toy aisles. Um, you can't get away from them, especially on this podcast. 
I'm going to let you guess which one's number one. You have 10 hours to guess. We'll be back then. No, no, not 10 hours. I'll give you f- like four seconds, okay? Four. There it is. Okay. Um, Number two is Star Wars. The franchise is sitting at $4.2 billion. And of course, number one is the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, This is what interests me about this, the, the numbers. The Marvel Cinematic Universe has 23 movies in it. Holy flip. Which is a lot, right? There was a lot riding up to Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. They have grossed $8.5 billion. Star Wars has 11, which is a little under half, and they're at 4.2. Jeez. So, if Star Wars had 23, would it be grossing at the same amount? Does it have the same brand power as Marvel? I guess is kind of what I'm getting at. I'd say no. Would you say Marvel has more? Yeah, because they've tried to do it with the solo film and then the Rogue One. And I don't think, from memory, they weren't as good. Or not, they didn't do as well as the the trilogies. Yeah, but there are there are duds in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as well. I mean, Thor 2, um, Captain America 1 was okay. Ant-Man. Ant-Man I wasn't crazy about. Some people liked it. Uh even Doctor Strange, Rumi is like, eh. and let's be real, okay? Uh, what was that Brie Larson movie? Hey, don't you talk crap about that film? That movie sucked. I love that film. Are you serious? Yes. What is that movie called? Captain Marvel. Okay, yeah, Captain Marvel. Uh, yeah, I saw that, and that was pretty trash. So the only reason why I love it is like, in the in between the scenes, was it when she's on Earth with her black friend? Like she's outside. And Samuel Jackson. No, the other black friend, her lesbian friend, kind of, but they don't say she's a lesbian, but they can't, totally are. Uh, the fighter jet. Oh, right, right. The, yeah. the fighter jet pilot. There's like a scene in there where she looks around, kind of feels like a super indie film, which is like, like that part feels super indie. Like, so weird. Oh, the part on the ranch. Yeah. Like, that feels so out of place, but that's probably my favorite part. That's all I like it so much. Oh, so you're saying that vibe of that one specific yeah, small it, part makes the film in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, I I mean, we can be wrong about things, Tim. I'm That's wrong. okay. It's a terrible movie, but I love that <laughs> scene so much. I, there are some fun parts, but I just think it's really boring. I think that movie's boring. Um, yeah, I don't know where I stand on it. Uh, I think that Star Wars, if they eventually get to that 23 number movie, could be sitting at the same gross. Um, the only thing that I have to say about Star Wars is that it's been around longer, mm-hmm. and Marvel. It's been around for a long while, um, but the the films haven't been around as long as Star Wars. Nope. It, well, is that true? Hold on. Well, well, there are a lot of there are super old Captain America movies and How the Duck in the eighties. Yeah, but yeah. We don't th- we're, I don't know if those count. No, right? They don't count for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Not until Iron the, Man. The the Marvel the Cinematic. Yeah, the MCU. A lot of people know is like, oh, Iron Man, Captain America, Hulk. like those heroes that were kind of known, but now are really well known yes. in pop culture, right? And so my, th- my, like my thing is like, does Marvel have the legs to continue? I think a lot of people think yes. I, I'm I'm done with it. Like, will you watch it? Are you like you're not? Happy? Will I go see a Marvel movie? Sure. Okay. Am I gonna go see the next one? I don't even know what the next one is. Black Widow, May six. Really. See, like I had no idea, but but as we were leading up to Endgame, I knew every day where the Marvel movies was going to come out. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like on top of that, and it shows. I mean, the highest grossing film in the franchise is Avengers Endgame, At two point seven. Those two movies, Endgame and Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War. Which I I don't know which one I like more. To be honest, I really do like Infinity War a lot. I think it's an excellent. Move. I. It's such a good movie. The ending is stunning. It's great. It's great. I think Infinity War is great, and Endgame is an awesome like hurrah afterwards. Yeah. Right? Um, I just rewatched it for the first times in the theaters. It was a lot heavier than I remembered. Yeah. Like everybody. Like I. What I like about um, Infinity War. Sorry, I just want to make sure I get it right. Uh, is that. They expect you to know most of the heroes. And mm-hmm. even if you don't know them, 
right? Like they introduce them in a way that you kind of understand who they are. Mm-hmm. I've always had fun watching it as if I didn't know who was who, but you kind of got an idea. Oh, good guy number one and good guy number two. And you kind of understand where they're coming from, right? Mm-hmm. But the main like constant in that movie is that it's a story about Thanos. Mm-hmm. Like it's a story about Thanos and his mission. And you're going to understand where he's coming from. And like, it's just so different than a normal Marvel movie where the focus is the hero's journey. This movie's not about the hero. Yeah. It's about the villain. Like the movie's about the villain winning, which is like such a cool way to like build up the end of a franchise, right? Mm -hmm. With a character that has been taunting for the entire 20... uh, films. Yeah, it was like... 20. 20 films before, right? Mm -hmm. And like... Ever since Avengers 1, you see glimpses of him. And nobody, like, nobody knew who he was, and I think it was really wise of them to say, like, we actually need to commit to really rounding out this character. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I wish we got more Thanos in Endgame. Yeah. Uh, I felt like he got gypped in Endgame. Yeah. Um, his character really starts to shine again at the end, but... I was sympathetic with him. That's what I think. Like, I agreed with him. <laughs> Well, I I don't think you should agree with his, you know, his policy I Why guess, not? as a as a dictator. No, he wanted if he has he has some morals, his own morals. Right. Right. And I and I think that's what makes him a good character is that he's, he's compelling. Yes. He's he's uh a three-dimensional character that has morals even if they're warped, right? Like they make sense to him. Yeah. Right. So, and to me. But nevertheless, right. well, okay, Tim, you know, half-existent genocide is an interesting idea, but probably not one you should stand by. But the other half is be thankful. You know, like, from an economic stance, Tim, you know that this. entire policy makes no sense. Aww. Let me tell you something. Overpopulation has been this dooming issue that people who don't study economics complain about. But in reality, overpopulation can be solved like it's been solved, right? Like, and I'm not saying, first of all, the birth rates have been going down worldwide. This is something Which I've is studied, a, right? A problem. Sure. Yeah, you could say it's a something problem. But if you're going to sit around and tell me that there's no, that we're running out of space, I'm like, guys, the birth rate is going down. I mean, and so life expectancy is increasing, but you don't really need to worry about having so many people around because there's not going to be as many people around because the birth rate is going down. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the proportions are. Alongside, like, then there's technological advances, right? There's innovation. I mean, we build these tall towers that can house a lot of people. This is a long side note. But what I'm saying is, if you're actually concerned with Thanos's like, concerns, I guess, you shouldn't be. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Although they write him very well they with do. his story about his home planet being overrun because of overpopulation. And that was his like reasoning for his purpose, right? So, um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a monster. It's on top. There's so many movies. They cranked him out like year after year, multiple films a year. Like that, that franchise has yet to be topped and I don't know if it ever will be. I don't think so. I it, it would be like nothing currently will at least and the way Marvel is open into reinventing itself but yet still staying with an identity this is they're going the space route right is that where you're going no it's oh. just that it's impressive is okay. what I'm getting at yeah like it's impressive that they were able to from the first Iron Man all the way to the last Avengers film have some ounce of consistency it's just shocking because they've taken the franchise and stupid weird directions with Guardians of the Galaxy um, to Ant-Man, right? To Thor, like all theatrical. Or yeah, kind of yeah. Trauma. It's 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 extremely unique and I don't think it's easily replicated. It's such a risk with Iron Man, for one. Yeah. And I think the reason I wanted to bat heads with Marvel and Star Wars is because I think Star Wars has the opportunity to do that. You think so? Go ahead. Star Wars, and we're starting to see this from Disney because of what they've learned with Marvel. It's like a limitless galaxy. You could limit a Star Wars story to a single planet or you could limit it or or you can make it limitless, right? Mm-hmm. I think the Mandalorian shows like what kind of style 
that that a franchise like the stars franchise can go like that is a to me like true and true like western story right very cowboy-esque and star wars hasn't really fully committed to an idea like that before and it worked it worked really well Mm -hmm. and so like star wars has the brand power and the ability to be able to reinvent itself and stay consistent if the people in charge of it can handle that yeah um they think kevin feige but for star wars exactly yeah and so and, and these other franchises i don't know if they have that that option mm-hmm. although i could be wrong because the nolan batman trilogy is a ba- it is a batman movie mm-hmm. right but it is more than that it's a lot more than that uh so maybe these franchises have the availability to expand in ways that are um unthinkable but in in some other regard like drastic park you can't go too far with that idea you know what i mean mm-hmm. like it's dinosaurs <laughs> that's what chris pratt said it's going to be the end game of the jurassic park <laughs> the new one coming out is there another one yeah it's gonna be the he's uh, yeah it's gonna be the final film to the new trilogy and the end game to this trilogy i didn't watch the 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 last um fallen kingdom yeah i didn't watch that one here i look pretty bad yeah the ads were obnoxious um mm-hmm. Just to let you know, some other franchises um, down the chain. At 11, you got Jurassic Park. At 12, you got Fast and Furious. At 13, you got Transformers. At 14, you got Pirates of the Caribbean. 15, Hunger Games, which is kind of cool. Right behind Hunger Games is Shrek, then Star Trek, The Twilight Saga, Toy Story, Despicable Me, Mission Impossible, Indiana Jones, and so on. The Incredibles? No. The Incredibles is at 24, yeah. And it just keeps going. And we'll probably jump back to some of those. Um, some notable uh, success on this top grossing franchise list that you maybe wouldn't expect to be on here. Uh, Madagascar is at 33. Oh. The Hangover is at 35. Um, the Fockers is at 39, which What's is your language? odd. No. Matrix is below the Fockers, so... And that, that would, that's the Meet the Fockers series or Meet yeah. the Parents or With probably Meet the, the Kids. I can't believe the... Did the Fockers. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. Night at the Museum is at 48. That was a pretty good series. Yeah. Chronicles of Narnia, 49. Most successful Christian movie? Question mark, maybe. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that that looks about it. A Secret Life of Pets is at 50. Wow. I guess that one looked good. Uh, that had good ads. Not a great film, that's, okay. that's for sure. So, nevertheless, let's get into our thoughts on what makes a great franchise. And I know we've kind of been uh, tampering with that idea openly. But there's a specific idea that I brought up to you before the show, Tim. And, and yeah. it's kind of the thesis idea of what makes a great franchise. I just want to start by saying that there are a lot of franchises that, that begin with the potential for greatness, I guess. Yeah. The issue is that that potential is driven by profit. So you look at a movie like Home Alone and the franchise that Home Alone has become. The first movie catches fire, does well. Mm-hmm. Right? The second movie is just the same movie again, but it doesn't matter because it was still a great movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you go with that? The issue with franchises is that like these these movie companies, they, they make a lot of money and they say, well, there's got to be some way we can turn this into a franchise. Until the ball dr- runs dry, right? Right, right. And you can't blame them, but at the same time, it's like you're not going to be a, an MCU, right? right. Mm-hmm. The MCU set out with the hopes and dreams of having this 23 movie series, right? Mm-hmm. Was it going to be 23 movies? I don't know. Maybe not. Right. Who knows? But they had this great epic vision, right? I think MCU was kind of motivated by the f- money as well. Doesn't help. Doesn't. Well, the uh, first film did great, right? Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. is back on the scene. Iron Man Shock. was a hit. Yeah. Right. So that definitely helped them. Probably kind of changed their approach. I don't know if it changed their approach, but I think they had that mission from the beginning. You think right? so? I know that they wanted to do... Like, even leading up to the first Avengers movie, right? Right. The first Avengers movie 
was the amalgamation of a bunch of Marvel films that came together. And and they have talked about, like, we didn't know if we could do this. We were going for it. And it worked, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then from there, they're like, oh, crap. We just did five movies. Most of them made a lot of money. And then we did a movie that tied those five together. And that made a ton of money. Yeah. We got to do that again. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And so now there's already like an expectation with it, right? And you can see like Pirates of the Caribbean, for instance. That movie could have been a standalone movie. Yeah. Definitely. The first one. What's the first one called? It's Curse like, of the Black Pearl? Yeah. All right. Okay. Curse of the Black Pearl, right? But it made so much money. And by the way, the Pirates of the Caribbean movie budgets are insane. Some most They usually top the most expensive films ever yeah, made. Yeah, because they get these ships and they go sail them out at sea and they look incredible. The movies look amazing and that's because they're expensive. Um, but they then they're like, we got we to gotta follow this up. You know, we got to follow it up. And so they do... Um, Dead Man's Chest. Dead Man's Chest, which is already banking on the fact of another movie. Yeah. And so I think that's why that trilogy has success because the first one wasn't built as a franchise. The right. second one was prepared to be, mm-hmm. right? There was a cliffhanger and then it went into a third one and then there was two more after that that didn't really attach themselves. Those were like standalone movies that people didn't really regard as the best. Right. So. Those but, are definitely the ones that you thought they were just for money. But I think franchises have to... It's hard because a franchise has to find success early on and then it actually has to be able to execute on the franchise promise, right? With I noticed with kid movies, this is easier to do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, DreamWorks, they seem to do trilogies nonstop till the IP's dead. So they'll put out How to Train Your Dragon. They find good success. Mm-hmm. They say, well, we made a good first product. Let's do... Uh, let's do uh, two more but a kids movie always has to have a happy ending and the overarching like narrative or franchise story doesn't really have to be like truly linked besides the consistency of there's the same characters right right mm-hmm. uh, you know Shrek there's not like the first movie didn't need a sequel and yeah. then the second one came out and it wasn't expecting a third one and the third one came out it wasn't expecting a fourth one with Puss and boots yeah exactly like the kids movies they get away with it you're right right they don't need to go on to go on right but where i think you see this done masterfully from a studio that also failed at it in my opinion is pixar with toy story Really? Right? Uh-huh. Because they 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 make Toy Story as a standalone. And then they make a second one, which the studio was already against the idea of doing a second one, which is interesting. Um, because Pixar, they just don't really do sequels that much, right? And the second one was a hit too. But then the third one was like an evolution. And even the fourth one is an evolution of like Toy Story too, as well. Pretty much since they get, they've been bought by Disney, it's changed. Yeah, they they've been for, forced to make sequels, but they've done it tastefully. And where I think they failed is The Incredibles, oh. which I thought the second one was fine, but I think the first one is is a masterpiece. It's the best Fantasy Four film never it, made. Yeah, exactly. And and the first Incredibles, like, it is so stylistic and cool. And I know we've talked about it before on this show, but the second one was made with that same kid franchise mentality. Mm-hmm. It's like they could just make another one and it will have a happy ending. Kind of and like, it gets away with it, yeah. right? So I think franchises are interesting because they have to have that monetary check to be like, okay, the first one made sense. And it's going to keep going. Like, Tim, can you think of a franchise, and we could totally be missing one, but can you think of a franchise that had a horrible first movie and kept going? I know, it's hard. I, I can't think of one. Actually, I can. And it's rated one of the best franchises of all time. Hmm. It's Mad Max. Mad Max, 
the first movie is called Mad Max. Mm-hmm. And it is a cult classic because it didn't make a ton of money, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it made back its budget, probably. But it's like, if you've ever watched it, it looks like somebody took a camera with a car. Unpolished. Uh, on like, out like on a beach road. Yeah. And said that was the apocalypse, which, sure, I guess, maybe it's the apocalypse. But, like, it, it's super small budget, and it's not, like, like, there's, there. it just, I don't know. Like, that movie is kind of trash, to be mm-hmm. honest. And I guess you could say the same thing for Evil Dead. Yeah. Right? Um, But then they, they continue to iterate in a way that's, like, the, like the movie's going to continue, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then Mad Max as a franchise becomes like this lone wolf story, mm-hmm. very Western where it's like these, he's a, he's a guy, he's driving, he's living, he's surviving. And then he runs into a roadblock and that roadblock is the story for that movie. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what Mad Max is. Right. I've never seen beyond the Thunderdome, but Fury Road starts that way. Road Warrior is that way. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that really works. I got lucky. But it's hard. I like. I can't think of a movie that really, really bombed that continued to have sequels. Yeah, that's a really good question. I can't. I mean, I can think of critical failure. Some of these um, teen movies like Percy Jackson. The first Percy Jackson film is trash. It's pretty bad. I read those books. And yet somehow they did another sequel. And I think maybe it was the name recognition success mm-hmm. of the... F- of the first film made enough money to justify making another one. And therefore, since it was based on a book, there was already material ready for the next movie. Right. Right. And and that's where it makes sense. Um, I'm, yeah. What about Planet of the Apes? Was that a pretty bad, bad film or for the time it was pretty groundbreaking? I think that's another cult classic. Um, Cause they had multiple and I'm not sure how good the first one was. I think the first one was the old one. With Charlton right? Hessen. Yeah. And then Planet of the, like the new Planet of the Apes with like Caesar, right? The mm-hmm. monkey named Caesar, who's uh, Andy Circus. Mm-hmm. Like that became its own trilogy, banking off the brand recognition and the fact that they were like technical <laughs> movies, CGI. <coughs> I don't know. CGI leads are always weird for me, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, so I think that's an interesting aspect to successful franchises, right? They mm-hmm. usually strike on the first one and hopefully can follow up afterwards. But in most situations, they can't, and, and it falls apart. <coughs> Sorry. Um, and the other thing that I wanted to bring up, and this is something that's up for debate, is what, like, do great franchises stick to a consistency and never falter from that one consistency. So in Marvel, the consistency is the characters. Mm-hmm. Iron Man, although changing, is always Iron Man. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. They did a good job with, and it only happened a few times, right? With War Machine was the one who had a change in actors early on, but they keep the same actors pretty much consistently right. throughout the entire franchise. And those characters act only like evolved versions of the characters that you saw them last, right? Right. So Black Widow starts as kind of a one-note, two-note assassin character mm-hmm. and then slowly forms into like this three-dimensional, you know, war-torn, like PTSD secret agent, right? And you learn a lot about her throughout the movies and, the, and, the, and her personality really comes through and remains consistent. She remains a strong character throughout it. And whereas... You know, Lord of the Rings, the franchise is so grounded in the consistency of the setting. The setting is so potent, right? And we were already talking about that earlier. But, <coughs> sorry. Yeah, Lord of the Rings, like, that's its consistency. And I think most franchises bank on the character one. Right. I think it's interesting how, like, some, like, The Matrix. Man, I'm just getting, like, scratchy throat. Um, not, like, scratchy throat. Like, I'm, like, there's something dry in my throat. Sorry. Like uh, Lord of the Rings or, or The Matrix has a consistent setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those are the things that make those franchises stand out. Because I would say that The Matrix, its characters don't stand strong. No. 
I think Morpheus has a good. Which one? Is it Matrix? I think Morpheus has a pretty interesting character, but I'll remember the film. Yeah, Mor- Morpheus, I think, is carried by the actor. What's the actor's name? It's blanking on me. But He's cool, though. Yeah. Yeah, I like that actor. Um, yeah. Even, like, the consistency of a style yeah. can, can come through. Um, you were talking about those Simon Pegg films under Edgar Wright. Yes. What's that franchise called? I don't, I'm not sure, but I think it's called the Ice Cream and Blood Trilogy. Where that includes Hot Fuzz. Shaun of the Dead. And uh, The World's Dead. Yes. And those are consistently in the style of the director. Or you can think of John Wick, which is committed to a style of nonstop action, right? Yes. Sure, Keanu Reeves is John Wick in all of them. But it's not the character that comes back. It's that style. Mm-hmm. It's the velocity of the action. Almost the aesthetic of it. Yeah, the aesthetic is what stands out. So even when a film has that initial payment, right, the initial success of mm-hmm. the first movie, if it lacks that consistency or a consistency that makes the franchise identical, right, mm-hmm. I think that's when a franchise starts to fall apart. Right. Um, because that consistency is what holds it all together. And, and, and this is what's weird, right? is we're starting to see franchises do these soft reboots. And we've talked about this before. Jurassic Uh, Park. Right. Where because they didn't have an established consistency for the franchise, what they do is they remake the first film to establish a consistency. They're just remaking the same film, Mm -hmm. right? It has some new elements, but the consistency that makes it linked to the franchise is the fact that it's just copy paste the identity of the the original movie in a new unique in in a, in a way that's like fresh right right so in that regard like that i think that's why we're seeing so many like overbeaten franchises mm-hmm. and i think that's why the good ones really stand out cuz they have that foundation of consistency yeah, my th- my throat is like dying out, Tim. No worries. Okay. Yeah, dude. Okay. We got to wrap this show up. I know we're we're going to have to end early but the illness, it's taking me, Tim. Oh. You have a closing thoughts on franchises? <coughs> yeah. I say that at the present present moment, a lot of franchises get heat for being not original enough. Or the people are just tired. Not all people, but it feels like not the majority, but a good amount of people are kind yeah. of tired of the whole trilogies or the sequels. They... Yeah, the reboots and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, we, we've literally done a show on that before. Mm-hmm. But. but I think it's here for, to say for a while because it still makes tons of money. And it's still, they give you enough enjoyment that although it's not that great, it's enough to keep you coming for the next thing. I think the franchises are that have the strong power are those ones that... And, and the reason I brought up trilogies is are the ones that the, the movies have strong trilogies like early on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like Back to the Future hasn't really been tampered with. And those three movies stand strong on their own. And it's like whoever created them knew that I'm sure Back to the Future will be resurrected. I, I regret the day that it happens. But like there was an understanding with those three that the welcome had been open long enough the movies were done right mm-hmm. and they did what they needed to do and the package was just done right mm-hmm. the matrix same thing they're still rebooting it but it was like the three and it's done right mm-hmm. lord of the rings the three and it's done even star wars the original three and it's done right um m- movies or franchises that make a lot of money they can't stay resting but I think it's those those trilogies that where ma- the package is like it makes sense. Makes it or break it. Yeah. And 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 these 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 franchises are not just old ones. I would say that the new three Mission Impossible films that go back to back, uh-huh. they're great. And and they're separate from the original three. Um it's like I think Ghost Protocols when Tom Cruise kind of took on more of the producer role mm-hmm. in the films. And that creative vision with it, like the consistency in the Mission Impossibles is the high octane stunts and, and action, mm-hmm. right? 
And those three films, like, they do a great job in stylistically doing that mm-hmm. across three films. So it's not like like new franchises aren't being birthed, even out of old ones that were kind of jumbled messes. Because I think the original three Mission Impossibles, they're fine, but they're, I mean, what? Like, the first one's like a normal espionage action movie, but then the second one is like action with a lot of hair, right? Everybody's flipping their hair around in the side. Like, it's like, it's weirdly different, uh-huh. right? Um, whereas now the, the, the three are like, that's like a package or you look at like the new star Trek by JJ Abrams, there's three of them and that is boom, done. The package is together. Right. Mm -hmm. And they kind of go together, but, but nevertheless, yeah. No closing thoughts, Tim. I know what your closing thought is. Your thought is that this has been a lazy podcast. It is. Pretty straightforward. I think it's just fun. Think about it some uh movie franchises and makes me want to watch um all of one of them harry potter specifically <coughs> yeah um man i'm looking at my list we didn't even talk about like all of these there's so many real quick let's do like a little fire shots you want to do fire shot list yeah uh okay let's just do a tim and isaac rate uh franchises quickly um because it's fun right. here we go die hard of five out of ten stars why? Uh, they're okay. They're repetitive. <laughs> Some of them are good, yeah. right? The first, first one, one, the first one's good. The first right. one's good, but it's not a Christmas movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Divisive. It's a movie that happened during Christmas. It's the Alien franchise. I've never seen any of them. Bro, maybe that's what we should watch tonight. I've seen the first one, but... The first one's cool. The second one's even cooler. I saw, no, I've seen the first one. Eh, I thought it was too slow, so I turned it yep, off. Yep, yep. I, I hear that. But this is before I went my movie phase. So I didn't go back to it. Yeah. The second one is totally different. Okay. So that's, this is why the Alien franchise is is a total mess. Uh, and I don't think it's overly popular, although it has some pop culture relevance. Um, all of them have like zero consistency in some regard. Mm-hmm. Besides the Xenomorph and maybe sometimes Ripley. Yeah. So, um, but like, I kind of love that the first one and the second one are so different. Okay. First one's horror. The second one is action marines. Okay. So. Don't get don't get around three or four. Transformers. <coughs> I'd say average film. It's the first one was hot fun. Yeah. The other two are each movie. Well, there's like four or something. Yeah. Maybe five. I don't even know. Each Bumblebee? One, Bumblebee? I haven't seen that. I don't know. Like each one gets progressively worse. Same thing, but worse. Uh Terminator. They're fun movies. Same ones over and over again. But I think the first the first couple are really good. <coughs> one and two are amazing. Two. Two's good. Um, which is weird, right? Because the first one's good. The second one is the same movie, but better. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> we've already kind of talked about X-Men, uh, Rocky. No. Same I'm, movie over I'm and over again. I'm not a fan of Rocky. Yeah. Uh, James Bond. Yeah. Same movie over and over again. Yeah. Better. Kind of. They're like standouts, right? Like yeah. Skyfall. And each, per, and each actor who does James Bond does gives his own unique flavor to it. Right. And that's kind of like their own separate mini franchises within mm-hmm. the franchise. Um, Batman, we've already talked about, uh, Planet of the Apes, we mentioned, Star Trek, we mentioned, um, Shrek. The first one, I love, the rest are okay. I, uh, yeah, I like the first one. I think the second one is a little funny. I watched, a little bit more adult I watched Shrek Forever After, and I thought it was pretty good, too. I don't know why. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie like for years. Uh, you're, train, you're sick, so you're tired. How, how, you know do you, what you're saying. how to Train Your Dragon. I love those. They're fun. Yeah, I think they're pretty good. They're I have not seen the third one. Same with Kung Fu Panda. Yep. I like that. I like the first one a lot. Um, Despicable Me. Oh, that's pretty fun. It's a stupid little humor. Uh, you just like uh, the fact that they're minions and is Steve Carell. Yeah, Steve Carell. Michael Scott. Yeah. He's Not just Steve a super Carl. evil spy dude in it. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Divergent series. Have you seen that? I have. I was forced to watch it. Really? Was it any good? No. Um, what about Maze Runner? It's kind of similar. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Yeah, same idea. I haven't seen it. The Hunger Games. I have mixed feelings about The Hunger Games because there's elements I like because I read the books when I was in high school. And, and the books were pretty good. Yeah. But the movies, I would say, are actually super identical to the books. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have a... I hate those for again since I mentioned it, but freaking nostalgia. The first two, I think, are really solid. Yes. But they're the same movie again. No. It's like, yes, they are. 
It's the same movie except one has PTSD. Yeah, and that's so much better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, sure, maybe. Um, I think the, are you talking about the films or the books? Because the books are pretty different. The the books I think are actually pretty similar to the movies. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I, so think. I, I read them, so I, I read them too. What do you think is different? Besides the aggressive detail that books obviously have over movies. I remember watching the second movie and thinking, this is almost like exact for the book. And I haven't read the books in a long time. So, but I remember when I went and saw it in theaters, that's what I was thinking. So that was when I had read it earlier or sooner to the movie, mm-hmm. right? I, I, don't know. I haven't seen the movie in a long time. I thought the first one was kind of bland. Like they were playing it safe, and then number two, with the success, they went all out. I think what's unique about the first one is the strange filming style uh, with handhelds and like. It was weird. It was really weird. Yeah. Uh, and the second one was more like produced, but less. I thought the second one was less um, gory. Yeah. The first one was more gory. It was weird. Yeah. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, okay. Let's see. The Born franchise. I think we were talking before the the podcast on like it's hard to differentiate to see the start of one film and the next as they all blend together. Yeah, they and, really do. And that's why I'm thinking about that one. Yeah. But they're okay movies. Not I'm I'm my big action guy, so that's not my cup of tea. They're, I think the I think the rest on the list we talked about. Okay. Um but we didn't do the rating, obviously. But um, What's your rating on Alvin and Chipmunks? Oh gosh, Tim. <laughs> You know what? We just got to end the show. After that, no more. No more Tim Smith. I can't take it. Uh, that's it, folks. We'll see you next week. Everything Comes From Something is a fully fan-funded podcast that happens because of listeners like you. And a huge shout-out to our executive producers, Darren O'Neill and Eric and Ariel Walk. Thank you for supporting the show. I know I've been saying that part for the last, I don't know, 20, 30 episodes, but seriously... You guys have been a huge blessing for making sure this podcast continues to go. Remember, if you want to support the show just like they do, you can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. Throw a couple dollars away. Get a couple benefits. Remember, all the benefits, if you're a Patreon, are done through Patreon. Patreon Messenger. Yes, you can just shoot us a message right there, and boom. We'll see it. We'll put it on air. Um, that's, that's how it works. Take advantage of those. Again, if you don't have money, totally cool. I know. I'm a broke college kid. I get it. You can just tell friends and family. Spread the word about the show. It's a little weird. It's a little quirky. It's a little different. Maybe someone, uh, some of the people or your friends will like it. And you can always give us a rating on iTunes. That seriously helps. Again, we thank you guys for all the support that you give us. We love you, and we will see you next week.